Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. We will continue this evening our teaching on seeking the kingdom. Our Father, we approach your word reverently. We approach it humbly. We thank you for thy Holy Spirit who will unveil and unfold the word into our spirits. I thank you for attentive ears, receptive hearts, that the word may go forth, dear Father God, and be implanted within and renew the mind that we may walk in the light thereof. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. In verse 26, so is the kingdom of God. Mark 4, verse 26, and he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. In our discussion, we have discovered that the kingdom of God is within the heart of man. If you have a need of something that's, let's say, a need of physical healing in your body, that's something that's chronic, something that you just seem unable to shake loose of, you listen intently to what we're saying, and you boldly take your stand. And the force of faith and love and patience will drive that out of your body. I don't care how long you've been saying I've been believing God or wanting to believe God or hoping for a miracle and wanting to get an instantaneous miracle. I'm just, I just sense in my spirit and perceive in my spirit that the Spirit of God wants me to say this. If you'll take heed to what's being said and to begin appropriate it, then the force of life will drive out that force of sickness or disease that continually lodges itself to your body. It'll drive it out. We also said that the kingdom of God must be understood and its operation out of the heart of man in order for us to grow in spiritual things. As you see here, from the time of the planting of the seed, there is a period of time called the growing season. The growing season. In 1 Corinthians, the fourth, let's look at this together. 1 Corinthians, the fourth, hold your place here because we'll come back to it fourth chapter and um, verse 19 verse 19 first Corinthians 419 but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up but the power not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And neither shall they say, lo, here or lo, there is the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is within you or inside you. And the kingdom of God is not in word. Now, what he's talking about is the word of men's wisdom. 
or, as he said in a previous verse, speech of them which are puffed up, but it has come in power. As we talked about this morning, that same power, that same power is within us. See, the kingdom of God has come in power, and it is with inside us. If you just back up to the second chapter, you'll see what I'm talking about. In verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. That's what he said in verse chapter 4 also, verse 19. Not with speech that puff, puffeth up. But he said, In demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God that's with inside you. It's inside you. See, this is the key. We have no problem believing in the power of God, but the power of God is inside you. Say it. The power of God's inside me. It's in me right now. I am of God. I am of God. And greater is he that's in me. See, the kingdom's inside you. You see that? I am of God. Remember, we, we quote that last part of that scripture, 1 John 4, 4, and we say, greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. But I like the first part. I am of God. I'm a product of the Father. Amen? I'm of God. See, I don't have to say, low here, low there, look around to find some power. The powerhouse is in me. I am of God, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My speech and my preaching should not be in the wisdom of men, or men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should stand in the power of God. People have too much faith in the wisdom of men, but bless God, our faith should be stand in the power of God. Amen. That's with inside of us. Now let's go back to that Mark 4, and we're going to touch some new territory here. Although it's not new, but in Mark 4, we haven't touched, touched it yet, as of yet. Verse 30. Verse 30. What should your faith stand in? The power of God. Where is the power of God? That's right. It's inside you. That's why he said to protect your heart with all diligence, because out of your heart come the forces or the issues of life. See, your healing power that you need to get to that body of yours, it's inside you. I said, it's inside you. And you've been going back and forth with this thing. You know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And saying, dear God, dear God, dear God, I wish I'd get rid of this thing. But bless God, you, you, you just hang on tight. You're going to find out how to get that life, that power, that glory that's inside you, that medicine that's inside you, and get it out of you to that body, the healing. Because that glory, that power is in you right now. Here's what he said. And he said... Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Now, see, we're still talking about the kingdom of God. We found out it's his good pleasure to give it to us. We found out it's with inside us. We found out that we should, that it has come in power and our faith should stand in the power. We found out that that power, that kingdom is with inside us. And now here's, here's the key verses. What comparison shall we compare? It is like a grain of mustard seed. Okay. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word 
which is a seed of God. So the kingdom of God has come to you, inside you, as a seed in your spirit. When you're born again. As a seed. When it, it, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown. This is what it, this is what it means to have faith as a seed. Someone talks about having, you know, great faith and strong faith. And that's true. We can have great faith and strong faith, but that faith is as a seed. See, we thought our faith was going to work automatically, instantaneously, every time we had need a miracle. But realize this, your faith works as a seed. Everybody that's trying to get their miracle overnight and doesn't seem to be getting their miracle, they just forget that faith works as a seed. As a seed, it was planted into your heart. If it works as a seed, then there must be a time of planting that seed. There must be a time of growing, and there must be a time of harvest. Right? Well, let me say it like this. Don't try to reap your harvest before your seed is sown or before it grows and develops. Did you ever try to eat little green apples? They're not too tasty, are they? No. Just use your patience that you have in your spirit. And with patience, keep that word in your heart or that seed in your heart. Or let me say it like this. Keep the seed in the ground. Nurture it. Water it. Protect it. And we'll tell you how to do it. And as you do, as a seed, it'll grow. If you allow it to grow, it will bring you fruit. If you allow it to grow. But faith in your heart works as a seed. Now let's see but when it is sown, it groweth up, verse 32, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. See, this kingdom of God that's inside you, it operates as a seed. It operates out of the heart. We're told that in 1 Peter 2 and 2, which you don't have to turn to, as a newborn babe that's received the seed of God's word, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow, growing period, thereby speaking the truth in love or speaking God's word in love or speaking faith in love, speaking the truth, speaking the word, speaking faith in love may grow up into him in all things. But if you never learn to speak the truth in love, you'll never grow up in him in all things. As a matter of fact, in our other teachings, we talked about the fact that, that the Word and the life that's within you, that's planted inside you, first shows up in your nature, secondly shows up in your conduct, and thirdly shows up in your speech. Now, we have many Christians that, well, if you've been born again, you have the life of God and in, in the nature of God inside your spirit. It showed up in your nature, and then consequently it showed up in your conduct, they change their conduct, they change their manner of living, you know, they begin to change, do different things. But for some reason, and I don't know why, good people, when it gets to the place of speaking the word in love, when it gets to the place of confession of God's word, everybody seems to just want to put their thumbs down because they don't understand the operation of the kingdom of God in their heart and speaking the word in love, confessing God's word, 
and allowing that kingdom that's within you to be developed by faith and grow up into this tree that will produce all kinds of fruit. What kind of tree is it? Well, the one that meditates therein day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth the fruit of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And they that love it shall eat the fruit, eating the fruit of the tree of life. You know how many different kinds of fruit are on that tree of life? Everything you need to satisfy you, spirit, soul, and body. Healing is, in that, is on that tree. That's one of the fruits of it. But, but there's many. There's many. There's many. Now, let's consider the book of Hebrews, the third chapter. And uh, let's begin here. As I said this morning, I want to teach. I couldn't teach if I wanted to this morning. I just couldn't do it. You know, sometimes there's anointing to teach and sometimes there's anointing to preach. And I say it like this. When preach gets on you, you don't have much of a choice. You know, you just don't have much of a choice. You say, how come it is? I don't know. But I mean, you know, I, I sat back there and I had two lessons all prepared. I was going to teach this one in the morning I'm going to teach this one at night. Brother Sorelli here prophesied to me in the car. He said, uh, that's okay. Probably by the time you get there, the Lord will change it. He did. <laughs> See? But, uh, you know, just sitting back there and sometimes you're just meditating in the Word of God or just praying or whatever. And it seems like all of a sudden, it seems like a bird just flies in the window. And it just sits upon your shoulder. And just for some odd reason, you just know that it's preach. Not teach, preach. And I say, okay, Lord, I'll preach. You know, I'll preach. I'll just do it anyway. Well, you couldn't stop if you wanted to. Says, don't get on me. You have to get on him. But it just comes on you. It just comes on you to do it. You, you, you just have to do it. You have to do it. Because myself, I like to teach. I said, Lord, now, if anything I ever want to do, I want to teach people how to use your word, how to walk by faith, how to walk in love. I want to teach them how to do it. And so primarily, I do more teaching than preaching. But when preach comes on you, there's nothing you can do about it. You've got to preach. Amen? you just got to do it. Now, over here in the book of Hebrews, the third chapter, I said we teach. Verse 1. I want you to note that Christianity is called the Great Confession. The Great Confession. Confession. Now, it says here profession, but take my word for it. If you don't want to take my word for it, you, did, you can do the work. You can look up in your own strongest concordance and find out that mo almost everywhere you see this word profession, it's, it really should be translated confession. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, that word, as I said, confession, it means to say the same thing or to identify with. To say the same thing or to identify with. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession or saying the same thing, or identification. It means to identify with. To identify with. So I identify with by confessing or saying the same thing. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, he's talking about us agreeing and saying the same thing that God said about us. So let us hold fast our profession or our confession. Now, over in the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, you'll find out in verse 23... That the same writer here said uh, that we're to hold fast the profession or the confession of our faith. Now, as I have said this morning, 
that there are different types of confession that we need to be familiar with in the Word of God. But here in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Without wavering. Not just hold fast to it, but hold fast to it without wavering. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Hold fast to the saying of the same thing without wavering unto the end. Now, he's talking about the confession of your faith. The confession of your faith. Until you begin to understand this principle, what you confess is what you possess, and continual confession means continual possession. Unless you see it by the eye of faith, unless you understand it, how it operates, and then begin to do it, act upon it, not just seeing it's not enough, not just knowing how it works is not enough. If it were, we'd all be, you know, riding high right now. That's right. But it's acting on it, which a lot of people don't like to do because it means a little bit of work. Especially when the tongue is involved. But unless you begin to see it, unless you begin to understand it, and then you begin to apply it, you'll never be able to grow. And this is the thing that's sad. Everybody wants to go to where they can get see a miracle. I'm not opposed to miracles. I don't want to remain a baby all my life. Do you? I don't want to remain a baby all my life. And without this principle, I guarantee you, by God's word, you'll never grow up. I don't care if you, if you live to be like somebody who had great ministries. As I said, I can go right on down through the line, through every single one of them, great, great ministries, great men of God and women of God, that great signs and wonders and miracles followed their ministry, but they themselves died young. They themselves could not get their healing. They themselves had calamity happen to them. You know why? The principles of the kingdom in your heart. God could use anybody. If he can use a donkey to speak to a prophet. Amen. He can use anybody to lay hands on anybody and get him healed. I mean, I thank God for that and we should all be doing that. But listen to me. That does not promote spiritual growth. Would you believe he had to pick on our tongues? He more or less said it like this. If you don't want your mouth, you won't grow up. That's right. Speaking the truth in love, growing up into Him in all things. If you want long life and to see good days, refrain your mouth, your tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking down. You'll get, you'll get it one way or the other. You won't have long life and see good days. But whoso keepeth his mouth... Keep it this life. Whoso openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. I don't want to breach in my spirit, do you? A wholesome, or, or the tongue of the wise is hell. I was meditating on that today. And uh, as I was reading it, I saw where it said, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is hell. And as I was meditating and pondering that, I was looking in, in the book of Proverbs, the tongue of the wise. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who is? Let him show out of a good conversation a lifestyle. Remember? Okay, who is a wise man? Well, in the second and the third chapter of Proverbs, he was talking about the wise man. He hearkens unto me. He hearkens unto wisdom. He'll dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. He's the wise man. The wise man. He's talking about this wise man. 
And he keeps on talking about the second chapter of the wise man and all that he searches for wisdom as for gold and for silver and etc. and etc. And then in the third chapter he begins writing by saying some things about wisdom and about the wise man. And he talks about, matter of fact, let's go there right now. Look at that third chapter of that book of Proverbs. He talks about what I call God's perfect formula for long life, health, peace, prosperity in every phase of your life. In verse 1 he says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Now look at, he talked about wisdom up to this point. Now look at this next verse. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Not the wisdom of men. Fear the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. And apart from evil, it shall be health to thy navel. In marrow to thy bones. Did you get that? Be not wise. The tongue of the wise is what? Be not wise in thine own eyes. But be wise with the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile is the beginning of wisdom. Keeping your tongue from evil and lips from speaking guile, being the fear of the Lord will cause you to be a wise man and the whole, and the tongue of the wise is it shall be health to thy navel. You know what that saying? The center of your being. The source of all life. The navel. The source of all health in healing and life to the physical body will be activated. If that's healthy, you're all healthy. Perfect health. When? When you're wise with your mouth. Well, this is a principle. As a matter of fact, if we ever have our, our all-night teaching, we may teach along these lines. Because I think the whole Bible talks about the heart and mouth throughout all the Bible. The heart, the mouth, the heart, the mouth, the heart, the mouth. Aligning them two up together. You know it took him a long time to deal with the heart and the mouth? He had to deal with the flesh first to try to get to the heart. And finally, when he got to the heart, he tried. He had to get from the heart to the mouth. Because he said, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of the forces of life. How do you protect it? Perverse lips put far from thee. Forward speech put far from thee. Why did he say that forward speech, perverse speech, will then defile the heart? If our words had nothing to do with our heart. Because those that speak the wisdom of this world, those that talk against the word of God, they're not wise. They're not wise. They're wise in their own eyes, but they don't have the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is to keep your tongue from all those things and speak the word of God. Then your wholesome tongue will be a tree of life. And your speaking won't be like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise will produce what? Health. 
to thine evil, to the very center of thy being. So we've got to talk about confession, but we want to talk about it in, in its proper light. I don't just want to talk about something and then, you know, get misunderstood. So you need to know some of these things. The law of confession says, I must confess that I possess before I possess it. Before I possess it consciously. Or before I consciously possess it. I must confess that I possess before I can consciously possess it. How many of you confess the Lord Jesus Christ before you possessed Him as your Savior? With the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you confessed it from your heart, you possessed Him as your Savior. Is that right? And have you received it in its invisible form? One day you'll have it in its visible form. Right? So the law of confession says, I must confess that I possess it. Not I'm going to possess it. I know, you don't hear me talking. I'm, one of these days I'm going to get eternal life. One of these days I'm going to have eternal life. No, I possess it now. I have eternal life. Well, the healed of the Lord isn't someday going to get healed. And here's where most Christians miss it. You hear them confessing, Boy, bless God, I'm going to get healed. 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 Well, that's in the future. I must confess I possess it before I get it. You say, well, I tried that and I didn't understand it. Well, that's the problem. You didn't understand it. That's mental assent. You mentally agreed to it. You mentally agreed to it. Now, you're doing good. You're doing real good to mentally agree to it. You need to get one step further, about 18 inches. You've got to get from here down here. Get it down to this belly right here. Get it into your spirit. Don't just believe it from your head, but get it into your heart. When you get it into your heart, then you're going to find out that you won't be looking to get anything. You will possess it. The believer hath. He that believeth hath. So before you can possess it, you have to confess it. You following that? I must, the law of confession says, I must confess I possess it before I consciously possess it. Okay. Now, confession is the expression of your faith. And when I say confession, I'm not talking about man-made confession. I'm not talking about your reading, your confession sheets. I'm not talking about your confession as we confess here in church. I'm talking about what you say in your everyday life. How you talk when you go home. How you talk when you're on the job. How you speak, you know, when you're driving in your car. Listen to what you say. What you are saying... Is coming out of your heart. In most cases. What you're saying. Now I'm not talking about jesting or anything like that. Now we need to talk about jesting. But I'm not getting into that right now. You know. You can't get over on one side and on the other side into the ditch. I mean. Sometimes people just get all to the other extreme of, of confession. And they say if you said a little something that was you know funny. They say well you know you're going to have something happen to you. Well. Let's, let's confess the word of God. Let's, let's do what the word of God says to do. Now Listen. Confession is the expression of your faith. When you're walking, when you get up in the morning and you know, and you just you're about to go to work, and you sit there and you say, "Man, I just don't want to go to work," and I'm all tired, and I, I don't. Oh dear Lord! And, and there you are, moping around the house and talking like, and you know, and I'm not trying to get on anybody like that. And don't don't even take it this way. I, I'm very serious as I can be, with all the love I have inside my heart. This is where you've got to watch your mouth. It's so easy to put your guard down when you go home. You walk out these doors, you can put your guard down like that if you want to. 
I mean, you're just on fire and full of faith and walk out that door like a, like a brick hits you right on the head, you know. And you're ready to fall underneath it. Well, listen to what you say, you know. I just can't seem to understand that. He talks about that faith business. I just can't seem to understand what he's talking about. Well, keep on saying it. You never will. But you've got to confess that you possess it before you actually possess it. You should daily be confessing that Jesus is your wisdom. He's been made to you wisdom. I have wisdom in my inward parts. Wisdom is in me now. And because of it, bless God, everything I do in life, I am doing it by the wisdom of God. I deal wisely in the affairs of life. And my tongue is taken into control by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And I do speak wholesome words in my... The words in my mouth, bless God, bring health and healing to my body. Not just when we're here in church, but every, every, every moment that you could possibly grab a hold of it and, and realize it and think it. Start speaking it. Start saying it all the time. So this is really the confession of your faith, which we'll get into here in a minute. Now, also, I neglected to say that since, since confession is the expression of your faith, praise is the highest expression of your faith. Confession is the expression of your faith. Confession does eight things, which I'll share with you in a minute. I shared a little bit this morning. But praise is the highest expression of your faith. Why do you think in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 6, he said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with, by supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving, being released out of your spirit, the confession of your heart before you actually possess it. In other words, confessing you possess it with thanksgiving. God, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that I can walk. I thank you, dear Father God, that in Jesus' name, disease cannot live in my body. I praise you that with his stripes I am healed and glorify you. If that's coming out of your heart and you're speaking it with your mouth and you're sincerely giving praise unto God and glorifying his holy name and you say I'm confessing that and possessing that with all my heart, then you better believe that possession of it is on its way. I'm not saying to look to the possession of it. Don't look to the future. Future has nothing to do with this. You have it now. Most people get off into this area and here's where they miss it. I believe I received my healing and I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Well, your waiting got you in trouble because when you're waiting for something, waiting is future. That's like me giving you a dollar bill and saying, well, bless God, I believe I got a dollar bill. I'm just waiting for it and it's laying there in your hand. That's not the object of faith. The object of faith is to believe that you have the proof of something that you do not see. Now, faith is the substance of things so poor. It's the evidence of the things you don't see. It's the proof of what I don't see. Well, how do you know it? The Word of God says so. And so I am rejoicing from my heart and confessing it. That is confession in its highest form, being released by praise and thanksgiving. Okay? There's a such thing as a neutral confession. A neutral confession will produce neutral faith. I share this with the faith class. Did you ever try driving down your street in your car in neutral? You step on the gas, you get out there in your car and you know it's flat and that's not downhill now. It's flat surface and you're sitting out there in your car and you put it in neutral and you're just stepping on that gas. It's not going anywhere. You say, I don't understand this car. Car don't work. It just doesn't work. You know, and finally you call a tow truck and they come out and they, they come out there to, to see what's going on and they said, Man, I've been sitting there with that car like that and, and it just doesn't go. You know, and he gets in the car and puts it in drive or reverse and it goes. Isn't that something? When he put it in drive, it went. But as long as it was in neutral, it wasn't doing anything. We're just sitting there making a lot of noise. I don't want to sit here and make a lot of noise before God, do you? How do I have neutral faith? See, that neutral faith is passive. It just it stays there, but it's not doing anything. It's not acting. You have the faith, but it's neutral. You're not acting. Acting on the Word of God. No, you've got to keep it in motion. 
I like to say it like this. Put some pressure on the devil. You know, everybody's saying the devil's got pressure on me. The pressures of life. The pressures of circumstances. You want to put some pressure on the devil? Do you really want to do it? I mean, put the heat on him. The heat of the glory of God on him. I'll tell you what. You want to put some heat on him? Tell him where he's going in the lake of fire. Let's give him a taste of it sooner. Well, put the heat. Put the pressure on the devil. You begin to say it daily. I mean, you begin to say it until, you know, you just... Just start just, just pouring out of you, flowing out of you. You just start begin to just to start to confess God's word and say God's word. You just begin to start like this. Yeah, that the communication of my faith may become effectual. I'm acknowledging this day when you get up in the morning. See, don't be that old grump. When I get up in the morning, I'm acknowledging this to be the greatest day of my life. For this is the day that the Lord hath made, and I rejoice, and I'm glad in it. I'm a recreated being, and old things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm created to His glorious image and likeness. I have the fruit of His Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. I humbly submit myself to the authority of His Word. He and His Word are one. I am obedient to His commandments, and He enlarges my capacity to receive revelation and knowledge in all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, sin, sickness, fear, doubt, worry. All that Satan represents has no power or dominion over me. I speak to every mountain of satanic adversity, and I tell it to go in Jesus' name, and it go. It can't stay in my presence. It's got to go. It's got to obey the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do that. I mean, you get up, and I'll tell you what, you won't be grumpy when you go to church, or, or to work, or anywhere you're going. Glory be to God, you'll be shouting all around, and the devil will be going like this. That nuts up again. <laughs> you know, that's right. Put some pressure on the devil. You know, the devil trying to put pressure on you all day long. Well, let's see how he likes it. Let him get hot under his collar for a while. That put him, that'll get him to running. Does she really mean that? Let's try and see. Let's get a dart and try to zap her with it. And he throws that little fiery dart and you just quench it with the shield of faith and the glory of God. And he goes, she meant it. It was just the devil and the what? He'll flee from you. That's right. That's how you put the pressure on the devil. Amen. Now we're just getting started on this. You start putting this on the devil and I mean to tell you he's going to run from you. Well, what do you think that word flee means? Run from as in terror. He is going to run from you as in terror because when he sees you speaking God's word and the word of God taking hold of your life and in your heart, he's looking at Jesus. He saw Jesus once down there. And you don't want to see him again. Amen? Jesus embarrassed him right down there. And he's, he, every time you speak that word, you put another knot on his head. Amen? Okay. Negative confessions are acknowledgments of Satan's dominion over the tabernacle of the living God. Negative confessions. You see, there's a neutral confession. You're passive. You're in the middle. Not doing anything. You know, just, you know what the word says, but you're just negative. You're just neutral. But then there is the negative confession. The negative confession is acknowledgments of Satan's dominion over the tabernacle of God whose you are. You are the tabernacle of God. Right? You are the temple of the living God. But a negative confession gives him the dominion. Now, stop and think about this. If I'm c confessing weakness and failure, then failure rules and reigns and begins to grow dominant in my life. If I begin to confess sickness and disease, then that sickness and disease, I'm, I'm held in bondage to it. The more I confess it, the more I possess it. The more I speak it, the more I say it, the stronger it grows and the stronger it builds and etc. Et it just works that way. It works that way positively. It works that way negatively. 
I can't change that. That's in the Word of God. He says, you shall have whatsoever you said. Well, I just believe I'm taking the flu. Do you doubt it in your heart, sister? Nope, don't doubt it in my heart. You shall have whatsoever you say it. Well, I just believe that I can never pay my bills. It never fails. Every time the end of the month comes, we don't have any money. It never, never, never fails. You believe that with all your heart? You better believe I believe it. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And it gets stronger. A stronger hold. A stronger hold. You see, you just build up strongholds. You say, but I tried what you're saying three times. I tried to turn around. I confess that I have no lack in my God supplieth all money. It don't work saying it three times. It works saying it a thousand times a day and building inside your inner man until the Word becomes alive in your spirit and the angels of God go out and bring the money in. That's how it works. You see what I'm saying? You're not going to try God. You're going to do it. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own spirits, your own selves, deceiving your own heart. See? So negative confession is the acknowledgement of Satan's dominion over your life, God's tabernacle, which is your life. Now listen to this. Philemon 1.6. Turn to the book of Philemon 1.6. There's only one chapter, so just find the sixth verse. Negative confessions are the acknowledgments of Satan's dominion over your life. They don't start immediately. They start, first of all, as thoughts. Secondly, imaginations. Thirdly, strongholds. You had a thought about seven months ago. That thought was planted. You remember that the devil can plant thoughts. And if you don't realize that, the Bible says that Satan planted the thought into Judas' heart to deceive Jesus. Remember? He planted that thought. Well, that little thought that was planted was only a thought at the time. But then you began to speak it. You took that thought saying. You took the thought, you began to say it. You took the thought, you began to say it. The more you said it, the more you begin to imagine it. Did you ever, you know, you're out in the backyard and you're doing your gardening or cutting your grass or raking leaves or whatever you're doing and uh, you start off and praying in other tongues and before you know it, you start thinking about something. You start, the more you start to think about something, uh, t- the thoughts come and you begin to speak about it or, or say it or say it to somebody and then you begin to imagine it. You begin to imagine things going on. You know, this, this, this imagination will run wild if you don't control it. It will. I mean, I'll give you a classic example. Your husband just left for the weekend. He has a business trip to go on. He'll be gone for three days. He's just left. And uh, some kids are fooling around on the telephone. And they give you a, a call. Said, uh, you know what? Uh, we're over here and we got a gun and that sort of thing. And you hang up the phone. Now, there you are sitting inside that house all by yourself. And what's the first thing that comes at you? Fear. Then you say, well, no, God's not giving me this bit of fear, but a part of a sound mind. But why don't you call Brother So-and-so? Uh, God's not giving me this bit of fear, but a part of a sound mind. Why don't you go over your mother's? God's not giving me this bit of fear, but a part of a sound mind. You think I should? <laughs> no, no, no. God's not giving me this bit of fear, but a part of a sound mind. Sound mind. I'm not going to think on those things. 
Hello, Mom. What are you doing? <laughs> See, there's a battle going on. There's a warfare. It's just, it's just, you know, I mean, that guy could be a thousand miles away from you. But you know the story. You know what happens. Fear is all around us. It tries to grab a hold of us, tries to grip us. Thoughts come. They may persist in staying. If they do, you've got to use the word to resist those thoughts. But if they are not released through your lips, they die unborn. If you speak about them, they become imaginations. If you speak about them enough, it will become a stronghold. It may take six months to develop that stronghold. Someone says, I can get healed in every area of my life, but this one area I can't seem to get healed. That didn't just start overnight. You've been saying that for quite some time. And because you've been saying it, you say, but it's true. I know it might be a physical truth, but that doesn't matter. You've got to confess you possess it before you actually consciously possess it. So you've got to get into the operation of the kingdom of God. No matter what it looks like or feels like, you've got to begin to start saying it. Hanex will no longer live in my body as far as I'm concerned in Jesus' mighty name. And every time that thing tries to grab a hold of you and the thought comes, go ahead and lay down on the couch and do this. And, you know, you better just lay down. You're going to be here for three days. You look at it and say, in Jesus' mighty name, I won't. I'm the healer of the Lord. I'm delivered from the headaches and whatever the case might be. And it may take you a while, but bless God, if you stand upon the word of God long enough and confess the word and confess the word, it'll activate that healing power that's in your innermost being. And that power will come and drive it out of your body and you'll never have anything to do with it again. And once you're delivered that way, through the faith way, through the word way, it'll never bother you again. Amen. Never. Did we find Philemon 1.6 yet? <laughs> okay. Philemon 1.6. That the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledging. By the acknowledging of all that the devil does to you in your daily life. Now, wait a minute. That the communication of your faith might become effectual, effectual faith, the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledging, acknowledging. Someone say, you just don't talk about what the devil does. You know, I don't like to acknowledge it. I like to acknowledge every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. Amen. See? Negative confessions or acknowledgments of Satan's dominion over your life. Well, I just can't say, I just got to have this, uh, you know, I just got this spirit of fear all around me. And I just thought, I'm afraid of it. Well, see, this is, what, this is what happens. It's very cunning, very deceiving, very sly. We're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and realize when the enemy is trying to grab a hold of your wholesome tongue and tap your tree of life. Because if he can get to your tongue, he can get to your tree of life. He got to Adam's, but I don't want him to get to mine. Amen? I don't want him to get to mine. So the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, which is not going to be in you, but which is in you in Christ Jesus, that the communication of your faith might become effectual. You want to hear me communicate my faith to the devil? Devil, every knee shall bow. I'm in Christ. He's in me. The kingdom is in me. I have the power of his name. I'm more than a conqueror. I resist you now and command that you to flee in Jesus' mighty name. I communicated to him my faith. Was it effectual? You best believe it was. 
But you see, you're not going to get this overnight. You got to do it every day. day. Meditate therein. How often? Day and night. 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 Do it day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Say, so, well, I've been standing now for, you know, two weeks. Well, having done all the stand, stand there for, stand there for, stand. There's no room for quitting. There's no room for giving up. Stand therefore and speak the word day and night, day and night, day and night. How long till Jesus comes back? How, how long is it going to take us to start to acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus? Every good thing which is in me. Every good gift, the perfect gift is from above. Well, we've got to start doing it now. So mark this down. During the time of circumstances, during the time of trial, don't you wish you only had to do the word when everything was all peaches and cream? See? And when you felt great. It's easy to do the word then, isn't it? Simple to do the word then. But how about when the, tra- the pressure is on you and the circumstances are around you? See? Then what do you do? Well, at the time of circum- circumstances, the time when the attack comes or is on, the time when the darts come in your way, what do you acknowledge then? What do you say then? During the time of circumstances, you will either speak negatively or you will speak positively. If you speak negatively, you will give in to the devil. If you speak positively of God's word and have been speaking positively of God's word. And let me say something before I get there. Every born again Christian should be already ready, already prayed up, fasted up and already for prayer and already for battle every day. When he talked about putting on the armor of God, he didn't say, like I said, get up in the morning and put something on. He said, you keep that armor on day in and day out and you be prepared for a battle every day. If it means you've got to fast once a week or twice a week, whatever it means that you've got to do, you have got to do it. You have got to be prepared. You have got to be ready. You've got to have the armor of God on. You've got to have on the breastplate of righteousness all the time. And when that fiery dart of the devil comes, then we'll find out what you're going to do. Because when it comes and you're like that and all prepared, bless God, I know what you're going to do. You're going to speak the word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and He's going to flee from you. But in the time of circumstances and trials, you have a choice, and you can go either way. If you speak the word, you'll have the victory. You will uh, let God have His dominion over your life. If you speak negatively, you'll acknowledge not which is good, which is in you, but you'll acknowledge Satan's dominion over your life. Okay, now, let me give you an example before I get into the actual teaching on confession. Could this be all night? <laughs> we didn't start your heads off, right? Praise God. Don't mind me. I'm just carrying on from this morning. Um, praise God. The Bible says in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who could be against us? You can sit down in your easy chair and say, now, what does it mean if God's for me? If God is for you, who could be against you? Who could be against you? If you were perfectly sure that God was for you and perfectly sure that God was in you, greater is he that's in you. If you were perfectly sure that he was with you, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. When calamity comes, what should your confession be? Boy, if we just had some help. The Lord is my helper that I might boldly say, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, boldly what? Boldly say. 
When weakness, when failure, when calamity, when sickness, when disease comes your way, if you're walking in light of God's Word, your armor is already on, you'll stand there boldly and begin to say and declare that, bless God, God is for me, God is with me, God is in me. Who can successfully defeat me? That'll be your confession. As we said earlier, you are of God. Say that again with me. I am of God. I am of God. God is in me. God is with me. God is for me. I have no need to fear. See? Just the confession of your lips out of your heart. If you do that every single day, bless God, you'll go to a place where his life will dominate you. And I like one more, one more thing I think we should talk about. Then we'll get into our teaching. <laughs> you thought I was kidding, didn't you? Say this one with me. It is God who is at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What's his good pleasure? To give you the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? It's in you. Who's working in you? God. God. God is working in you. Oh, when David and Goliath, when David stood over there under the tree and watching the, the shepherd by night and the lion and the bear came to take one of the sheepfold, do you think he killed that lion and that bear and caught him and smote him by the, by the beard and smote him? Do you think he did that under his own power? You better believe he was meditating therein day and night. And when he, that lion and that bear came to steal his property, he knew that, bless God, you know, sometimes we're right. Well, we, can we believe God for this one or not? Bless God, he didn't care whether he could believe God for that one or not. He said, that's my property. And the God that I serve is able to deliver me out of the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear. It's probably what he said. He said it about Goliath. He's, he's able, and he will deliver me out of the hand of that lion and that bear. And the Spirit of God came along and caught him up. And the power... Of an unregenerate man. The power of the Spirit of God in his life, he caught that lion by the beard and smote him. Killed him. Caught that bear and beat him. Samson, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, had superhuman strength. By one jawbone, he could destroy a thousand Philistines. Tear down the walls of the city and carry him away. How did he do it? The strength that came upon him. I said the strength that came upon him. But he didn't have the greater one within him. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Oh, if we could just say it and say it and say it and say it till it becomes a reality. Faith, confessions, create realities. Faith's confessions create realities. The reality of the fact that greater is he that's in you and that you are of God and the power of God that is in you is greater than any foe will be so real to you that if it was a lion and a bear, you'd do the same thing that David did. Not purposely, of course. I mean, you know, you just wouldn't tempt the Lord. I mean, if you had to. Amen. Amen. What do you think them little old ladies do out there when their kids fall on their cars they're working on a car, you know, and the car falls down and they go out there and just pick up the car? You've heard about them, haven't you? And they said, oh, this Wonder Woman over here, she picks up this car, you know. 75 years old, picks up a car so her kid could get out and didn't get killed. Said, yeah, but did you forget about the two angels that was one on each side? They didn't get their picture, did they? 
Faith's confession creates realities, and a confession of your faith will get your angels out on the warpath in your life. We didn't get to that yet, but the secret of faith, now listen, is the secret of confession. I could always tell. When someone tells me I'm believing something, I could always tell whether they are or whether they aren't. How can you tell? You say, just by what they ask. I'm believing God, uh, you know, this is what I believe. And I believe in God uh, for, for this. And, uh, you know, well, can you tell? No, you're not believing God. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage anybody. I'm just saying that to let you know you're not believing God. If you have any questions after you have believed, you're not believing God. I mean, what question can you have after you've received? If I possess it, I have it now, I'm not believing God for nothing. What are you believing for God for this week? Nothing, I got it. Where is it? Oh, you can't see it. I got it. Well, where is it? I got it. See, faith doesn't, it's not the future. Faith is the now. I have it now. Now I have it. See, the trying to get it is the mental ascent part. Do you see that? So the secret of faith is the secret of confession. You must confess that you have it before you get it. That's Mark eleven twenty four. I mean, it's plain as, as any other scripture in the Bible. Let's start. Number one, confession, as we said this morning, if you didn't get them all, we'll get them all now, brings faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh. Faith cometh. The first chapter of the book of Proverbs, he said, and if you don't hearken unto my wisdom, listen to what he said. If you don't hearken unto my wisdom, and this is his wisdom that he's talking about right here, the operation of the kingdom, that's the wisdom of God. If you don't hearken unto my wisdom, he says, I will mock when your fear cometh. Now, wait a minute. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You speak the word of God, it brings faith to you. And if you don't hearken unto my wisdom, when your fear cometh, I'll mock you. And I won't hear you, God said. How did the fear come? You heard it, you acted upon it, and you spoke it. So fear came. Faith came up by hearing and fear. Your fear came by hearing. You heard the negative side. If you'd have heard the positive side, if you'd incline your ear into his sayings, you wouldn't have got fear. What would you have gotten? Faith. Okay? Faith cometh then by hearing, so it brings faith. Confession number two renews the mind. It renews the mind. When that word comes, it'll renew your mind. Number three, it'll change your heart. It affects the human spirit. Number four, it'll set up goals. Set up goals. Where there is no vision, the people perish. It'll produce a self-image. You know what my goal is? He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Walking as he walked. These are my goals. Walking as the master walked. You say, well, you know, you've been saying that, and you know, it might take you another 10 years. I don't care if it takes me 15 years. If he tarries, if after 15 years, I'll be walking as he walked. I don't mind. Do you? Or would you? I don't care if it took 20 years of confessing this every day. It wouldn't matter to me. But the one that gives up and says, ah, don't faint, you'll read. Don't faint. Don't faint in your mind. Grow up the Lord in your mind. Don't faint. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. Keep on doing it every day and every day. See? Okay. If it takes you ten years, you'll walk as he walked. Okay, next one. It puts the law of faith into motion. Next one. It gets the angels involved. Next one controls your body. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. The last one is the perfect man right there. It perfects the believer. Perfects the believer. The same as a perfect man. It perfects the believer. 
So faith confession creates realities. And we're just starting again. Glory be to God. Well, we're just going to start all this again and find out the true confession of the believer. But you have to wait till Wednesday night. You'll have to wait till Wednesday night because I got too much here. But let's, let's just say this. The only way the reality of when I say the reality of, I want you to know what I mean. The reason why we have our faith classes so we can talk about this subject in great, great, just keep talking about it. I don't care what we talk about. As long as we're talking about faith, it's affecting our human spirit. But somebody, like I said right here, I used this last, this example last Friday. This here building was, I'm sure, in the hearts of the people that built this building before they had a church, it was a desire of their heart. Isn't that right? But it was not a reality. Not at that time. But as they began to believe God and believe God and believe God and hold fast the confession of their faith and just stand in, in faith and believe in God. One day, when this build, building was complete, their desire to have a church of their own to worship in and build a brand new church such as this one was no longer hope and really, it was the end of faith because it's a reality now, isn't it? This building is a reality. You know what a reality is? It's here. There it is. It's done. The reality then of an individual's life, like if a person has a desire from being a little little boy, he has a desire to be a, you know, truck driver or a... I laugh because I remember Brother Hagin saying that his brother wanted to be a truck driver and a cowboy. He says, and he got to, he got to be both of them. Because he's a truck driver and he wears cowboy boots. <laughs> so, he's, so he got his drink. Well, he, he desired that from a little boy. It was, you know, he wanted to have it. It wasn't a reality when he was a little boy, but when he got older, it was a reality. In other words, even though it took 20 years, but one day it became a what? A reality. You keep saying that by his stripes you were healed. And hold fast the confession of your faith. And sickness and disease can't live in your body. If it takes 10 years, if you hold fast to the confession of your faith, one day that will become a reality. You know what that means? It means those germs will never allow to be, will not live on your body any longer. You keep saying that you are the temple of the living God and you are of God and God liveth in you. And you say it faithfully, daily. I mean, you just get into it and keep on doing it. And, and I am of God and I can do the greater works of Jesus. And when I lands on the sick, they'll recover and I cast out demons. You keep on saying that daily. One day it'll become a reality. When that becomes a faith reality and it's real, it means look out for the devil. You say, can we do that now? Yes, yes. And a lot of times we hit here and there. I'm not talking about hitting here and there. I'm talking about the reality of it. When you begin to walk as the master walked in the same light, same power, same glory. You see what I'm saying? And the only way... Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life, but if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.